Welcome to the Alexandra Baptist Church podcast. We're really stoked that you're tuned in and hope that this short message is going to be helpful and encouraging for you. You know, you'll be well aware that New Zealand, like many other countries around the world, is in the middle of a nationwide lockdown. People are being told to stay at home, to avoid social contact, and the hope that we can eliminate COVID-19 or the coronavirus from our country. And so three weeks ago, when this lockdown was initiated, you may be aware that early on it was described as the new normal. This was going to be the new normal for a while. Our movements would be restricted, our meetings would be cancelled, businesses would be closed, and schools would be shut. This was the new normal. And uh, as potentially we move closer to the end of the lockdown, the question is now becoming, what is the new normal now? The New Zealand government announced uh, a couple of days ago what will happen when we move from level four at the top end of the scale to level three. And so they put out some information about these ongoing restrictions and what they look like. And uh, look, it's been helpful, but it's also, it's hard to get your head around, right? I mean, this whole corona situation, you know, what's it going to look like for our children in their schools? What's it going to look like for business owners and the workers? What's it going to look like for our recreation and our sports or, or our travel or our churches? You know, what is the new normal going to be for all these and different aspects of our society? You know, for me, probably the big question is, what is the new normal going to be for our social interactions? Just like a lot of countries around the world, we're practicing physical distancing. So uh, whenever you go out in a public space, you need to try and maintain a two meter gap between people and, and have no physical contact. Now, look, you know, this is a really good idea. Stops the spread, the transmission of COVID-19, uh, helps keep germs from spreading and stops contamination and stuff. But I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a bit of an underlying suspicion as well that's kind of crept in. And, and there's no place more obvious than this, than the supermarket. So I'm the designated shopper for our family. And uh, look, this is not because I'm good at supermarket shopping, it's just by default. Uh, I don't always stick to the budget, maybe it's just a guy thing, you know, chuck a few essentials in the trolley that aren't on the list, and I don't always get the right brands or the right products, again, maybe that's just a guy thing, I don't know, but um, the times then Dana has been sick, my wife, and I've had to do the shopping, the supermarket shopping, it's been a bit of a disaster, but hey, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So anyway, Dana writes me out a list and uh, I've been down to the supermarket under strict instructions. And the whole thing about the supermarket, there's, there's parts of it that are just not normal. You know, you have to queue for starters and sometimes that's outside in the cold. Uh, before you even begin, you've got to kind of line up to get into the supermarket. Then you've got to wipe down the trolley with uh, disinfectant or whatever it is, I don't know. That's kind of strange. It's not normal, right? When you get inside, you know, there's the fruit, there's the veggies, there's the meat, there's the bread, all the usual products, that's pretty normal. The workers, they're in there stocking the shelves, that's pretty normal. But the weirdest thing for me was how everyone interacted with me. So I'm just happily pushing my trolley down the aisle, and, and I realize that no one else is sharing the aisle with me. In fact, people will wait at the very end of the aisle, like 20 meters away from me, just till I exit the aisle, and then they'll head on in themselves. 
and other people will give me this huge wide berth when they come around the corner and and they're kind of glaring at me over their face mask and and even the girl at the checkout uh, counter she asked me to step back because she didn't want me to get too close to her I mean there was a plastic screen and I was a good sort of three or four meters away behind her but it was all very very not normal very weird and you know it wasn't until I got out to the car and uh, packed in the groceries and sat in the car I realized why it was like that because everybody thought that I had the coronavirus and so they literally avoided any social or any physical connection with me because I guess they thought I was infected. Now look, in my defense, I didn't do anything to warrant this. So I didn't cough in the supermarket. I didn't sneeze in the supermarket. I didn't even fart in the supermarket. But there was this underlying suspicion that everyone else had the coronavirus. And you know, that experience it made me feel like a leper. It gave me a glimpse into people who are ostracized in society, what they feel like. 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked on earth, he made a point of connecting with the outcasts and the ostracized. He made time for the lonely and the lost and the last and the least. In fact, on one occasion, Jesus did more than just make time for the social misfits. He actually had a, a brief encounter. So one of his biographers, Mark, records in Mark chapter 1, this brief but very significant encounter Jesus had with a man who had leprosy. So if you want to read along with me, feel free to do that, reading at Mark chapter 1 in the Bible, starting at verse 40. This is what we read. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. You know, that is a powerful story. A man with leprosy... This disfiguring, deforming skin disease is miraculously healed because of his trust and because of Jesus' power. But there's some details in that story, I think, if we drill down, they kind of give us a little bit more significance about what's really going on here. And so what you need to know is in ancient times, lepers were required by law to socially distance themselves. They had to live outside the city boundary. They had to be away from all healthy people. Whenever they walked uh, near people or traveled near people, they had to call out unclean, unclean to give people a warning. They were not allowed to use the same public facilities as the rest of Jewish society. Now, if you thought two meters in the supermarket was bad, this is ultimate social exclusion. And so in Jewish society, healthy people were prohibited from touching lepers. See, it was, it was viewed that leprosy was so contagious that if a healthy person touched a leper, they would be contaminated. They would be infected. But Jesus, he was a rebel. He valued people more than policies. And so he does something super, super radical. You'll see there in verse 41, Jesus reached out and touched the leper. 
Now this was revolutionary. So there was so much suspicion in Jewish society about lepers, even even religious leaders. It's actually recorded that uh, one rabbi would not eat an egg that was purchased on the same street that had a leper walk down it. And another rabbi was recorded as throwing stones at lepers just to keep them away. I mean, they were despised and detested in this, in this time. But Jesus revolutionary, radically reaches out and he touches this man with leprosy. In fact, in Luke's version of this encounter, in, in Luke chapter 5, the man is covered in leprosy. And so this is not just a spot. This is a full, full-blown, advanced state of the disease. But you know, Jesus didn't think twice about reaching out and touching him. Now this is fascinating because I believe Jesus could have healed this man just with a word. Just by saying, be healed, and the leprosy would have been gone. So why did Jesus have to touch this leper? I mean, potentially he could infect himself, uh, or at the very least make himself ceremonially unclean. I think part of the reason is it's the importance of physical touch. So appropriate physical touch is, is important in virtually all cultures and countries, particularly in social settings. So, you know, in Europeans... Uh, particularly sort of around the Middle East, would traditionally greet each other with a handshake or maybe a kiss on the cheek. Middle Eastern cultures, they also greet with a kiss, sometimes a hug. Asian cultures will often bow uh, and hold each other's hands. Uh, New Zealand, we have a, a fascinating example in the, in the Māori culture of a hongi, where two people press their noses together to physically represent the deep exchange of breath and of life. You know, psychologists and scientists say that physical human touch is really essential for our mental and our emotional health. And so I guess you sort of wonder what would happen if some of our society feel the lack, the, the effect of the lack of, of touch. You know, particularly in this whole lockdown situation, the restrictions that we're experiencing, it's actually predicted that rates of depression, rates of loneliness, and a whole bunch of other social issues are going to increase because of this lack of positive physical touch. So what can we do about that? Particularly when we're in a socially distant society. Well, I would encourage you to touch a life with the love of Jesus. Let people know that God loves them and that you care for them. Now, Obviously, the reality is, is this is not going to be physical at the moment, just with the current circumstances that we're in. But you can do this digitally, like with a phone call or a text message or email. You can do it practically. You can deliver some groceries or pick up some medicine. You can do it personally, by praying for a person, asking them, uh, asking for God's help for the, so that they could know his peace and his presence at this time. And, you know, I am heartened by the, the contacts, the connections, the phone calls that I've had with many of you over the last few weeks. You know, our church is doing this. And, and not just for the last three weeks of the lockdown. You know, Alexandra Baptist Church is a really, really encouraging church. Look, we know we're not perfect, but we're trying to live and love like Jesus. We're trying to positively touch lives the way that Jesus has touched ours. 
You know, there's another detail in this encounter which I think really illustrates the motivation that Jesus had. Look back at verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. You know, it's often said that in times of crisis, that really reveals a person's true colors. In testing times, people reveal who they really are. And I think COVID-19 has done that for many around the world. Life has been turned upside down and people have had to uh, respond either out of selfishness or out of selflessness. They've had to demonstrate compassion or cold-heartedness. Now, there's been some great plagues that have affected human history and, and throughout many of those Christians have been at the forefront of caring for the sick and the suffering. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the plague of Cyprian that swept through the Roman Empire around about the year 249 AD. Cyprian was a Christian bishop, the Bishop of Carthage in North Africa, and he described the, the devastating effect of this pandemic. Thousands of people were dying each day. And uh, Cyprian described just how this pandemic revealed the truth of each person, revealed what they were like as a person. He wrote, he wrote this, The horrible plague searches out the righteousness of each person to see whether they who are in health tend to the sick and whether relations affectionately love their family. You know, that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. What type of person am I? Are we people who will care for the sick and the suffering like Christians throughout the centuries before us? Are we the type of people who will love our families? Are we the type of people who will reach out and bring help and hope to those in need? You know, in difficult times, often it reveals the characteristics that we've been cultivating. It shows our allegiances, it shows our affections, it exposes who we really are. And so I want to submit to you that just like Jesus, compassion needs to be a characteristic that we can cultivate in our lives. Compassion was the motivating factor for Jesus. He felt empathy with people. He had solidarity with them in their suffering. He drew alongside people where they were at and he loved them because of who they were and because of what they could become. And you know, I think our default, it's kind of easy to just withdraw into our bubble, to cut ourselves off from others. But if we exclude ourselves, we're actually missing out on the experience of many people in our town, across our country, and around our world. And perhaps in his most famous teaching, Jesus said that his followers would be called to love God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, with all their strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves. You know, it's really hard to do that when we're unaware of our neighbor's circumstances, when we have no compassion for what they're going through. And so I encourage you this week to be people of compassion, to take on the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the early church in Colossae, and he said, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what would be awesome? 
if that was the new normal. If in the coming weeks and months that Alexandra Baptist Church was a community known as a, as a group of people who were kind, who were humble, who were gentle, who were patient, and who were compassionate. And you know, I'm encouraged. We are on our way. Of course we're not perfect, but we are simply trying to live and love like Jesus. We're trying to reach out and positively touch our local communities. We're trying to show compassion to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors. You know, my prayer is that Christians would lead the way into this new normal. And if you want to help in any way, a practical way, feel free to let me know, get in touch. Uh, we've got plenty of deliveries and, and pickups that need to be done, and we can add you to that list. But I just want to finish this podcast with, with a prayer for all of us, but particularly for three groups that are being really affected by this whole coronavirus situation. I'm thinking of our children, our business owners, and our elderly. So please join with me as we pray. God, we are grateful for all you give to us, for life and breath and everything good. And we ask that we would see your hand at work in these testing times. We would pray that we would be people of compassion. We would be people willing to touch lives to make a positive difference and to share your love with others. We particularly pray for our children. They are experiencing a lot of disruption and having to adjust to changes. And we ask for your blessing on them, particularly those who are anxious and unsettled, that they would know your peace and your comfort. We pray too for our business owners who are carrying responsibilities of staff and of stock and, and a whole lot of other things. We ask they would know your presence with them. They would, they would know the creativity of the Holy Spirit, giving them innovation and ideas. They could see in the midst of their difficulties that you are making a way forward, and that in your wisdom and your guidance would be there for them in the coming weeks. And finally, we pray for our elderly. They're experiencing potentially isolation and, and uh, difficulties during this enforced lockdown period. We pray that they would know your spiritual comfort. They would know that connection uh, through you and through your people. We pray too that they would be enthused and encouraged as these days progress. So God, we entrust all of this, all of your people, into your hands. In the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.